Revelation chapter 19, this is a popular scripture. I've read it again and again. Verse 7, it says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come. That is the glory that Isaiah saw bringing joy. And he says, And his bride has made herself ready. Verse 8, Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. And then verse 9, he says, Then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited into the wedding supper of the Lamb of God. And he added, These are the true words of God. That is the wedding of the Lamb of God. But when you just turn on the same chapter, just move forward from verse 11 on, talk about the second coming of the Lord. He says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. Hallelujah. Let me share a little bit deeper here today. He's so proud of what he did for you. He is so satisfied that he did it. He was so much abused. He was carrying a cross that would deliver you. They beat him like a dog until he fell down, until the shoulder broke. Until he could not even carry, the shoulder that was carrying the cross, he fell down with it now. He collapsed. He was so shocked. In fact, if you read Psalm 22, you see that he died more of shock than physical injury. He was so shocked at the amount of hate that these people had accumulated against him. How could you beat me like this? Until he wept. Beat until he fell down. You try to beat a dog right here in front of this gate like that, you'll be arrested. You understand me? Because there are laws protecting dogs, but there was no law to protect the Messiah. They beat him so horrendously, until now we, have never, we can never perceive, we have never been able to perceive the depth of the suffering of the Christ. That is the blood that is symbolic of the red cloth. The blood he poured for you. Hallelujah. How could you go to sexual sin? If you really perceive the suffering of the Christ. How could you choose me, 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 self? Me, me, me. I want to be happy. You know me, I want to be me, me. Your feelings. Jesus never chose his feelings on that day. But he felt towards you. Hallelujah. Where is the church that I purchased? They are busy doing comedy. The pastors. The more funny you are, the more anointed probably they think. People like him. Women laugh. They love that church. They go there. The more comical you are, the more you have more people, the more money you gather. How can we say this is the temple of the Lord? And yet, God is not here. He's asking, where is that church that I so much suffered for, the wounds I see, the scars I can see, but where is that church? Where is the church that Jesus purchased? And he says here, verse 13, Revelation 19, 
He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven, this is what I wanted to bring you on the rapture door. The armies of heaven are following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Did you see that fine linen before the rapture? And now you see it at the second coming of Christ. That means when you prepare today and spiritually begin to enter into the rapture today. Today you tell yourself, Lord, I am not going to wait for rapture because that day you will essentially close the door. And it happens like this. So you don't even have time to prepare. I am going to prepare today, which means if I am a woman here, I'm going to my closet. Look at what clothes are full of prostitution that I've been wearing. You see that? Some of you women have even kept clothes that some of your boyfriends gave you before you married. Some of you women have kept rings that some of your boyfriends gave you before you married your husband. That every day when you look at that ring, you feel good. Some of you women have kept even shoes that your other illicit, evil boyfriends gave you when you went to those dates. And you are busy lying to your husband that, you know, I'm just keeping it there. But every day you open the closet, you look at it, it has a quenching thing it does into your evil heart. Some evil quenching. That when this man disturbs me these days like this, I always go to the closet and smell the other cloth. Don't I know these things? They even smell that when I smell, I, I smell the other man. Do you want us to talk about these things today? It must end today. If you want to enter the rapture. You have watches and rings bought you by some, some illegal, some evil relationships. You have kept them. I will tell you to throw them away. The Lord is saying, get rid of the yeast. Because the devil will sneak in yeast without you knowing. You understand? If you want to enter through this door, do you hear me? When the devil sees Paul, he has the name Saul, and the devil has seen how God is planning to use him, the devil takes him earlier. So Saul is persecuting Christians. And then later on writing almost two-thirds of the New Testament. So that's why you have to be very careful. Scrutinize them. Let the Spirit reveal to you. Time has come for you, the church, to enter. Let nothing stop you from entering through this door. Because you'll never enter with a car, with a home. Whatever your values are here. You know, people have value systems. Homes, cars, school fees, my kid to be educated. Whatever they are education of your kids, let those things not stop you from entering through this door. Because here what I see is that the gown you prepare before the rapture is the gown you enter with where? Into the rapture. And it's the gown they are coming with back with Jesus. The armies of heaven, those are the raptured saints. Verse 14, the armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen, bright and clean. So that means what you decide today, we are talking today. You people have to repent today. If, if, if there is any speck, if you have that little watch that your girlfriend gave you many years ago, that spiritual little watch, I'm talking about spiritual now, that has been hidden in your heart. That woman, when you preach, she smiles at you. A little lasting going on, but you know I have my safety valves. You see that? No, I am safe. I, I, no, no, no. She, your, wife, your, your wife is complaining. Be careful. No, 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 I'm mature. You have to throw that today here in repentance. Get rid of those little watches and throw them away. Do you hear me? The devil may have slipped them, maybe 
secretly, whether it's a dress that is lingering in your closet, you've grown bigger than that dress, throw it away. A man, if it is just that chain, that watch, I don't know, me, I don't know, I'm just mentioning things. If it is a car, get rid of it. That every time I enter this car, I remember my girlfriend. The devil is using that to hold church hostage. In America, they entertained homosexuality at the altar. Now they cannot come out to rebuke homosexual marriages in California. Let us clean out the house. Because the same gown you prepare today, until eternity, you return with it where? To Jerusalem. And that's why Isaiah said, when he saw the door, enter those rooms, shut yourself, my people, into those rooms for a little while. That is seven years. In the Jewish wedding, our Lord is, is Jewish, by the way. He's Jewish. In the Jewish wedding, when a young man discovers his bride-to-be, he takes her to her parents. There they drink from one glass of wine. One glass they share in front of the parents. And then, the parents write a small scroll as a covenant that these two have agreed they will wait for each other. Now she will wait for me, I will wait for her. It's a covenant of faithfulness. The man takes this written scroll to the father and says, Father, I have discovered, I have found my bride. And look, we drank even from one glass in front of our parents. A sign of covenant. And that is the covenant of the cup Jesus presented at the Last Supper. Do you remember that? When he told the church, do this in remembrance of me. Meaning, please wait for me. Don't go to another man. Are we maturing today? And that is a covenant of spiritual faithfulness. That the church ought to have maintained with Christ. To have waited on Christ. You don't go back and find that the girl you wanted to marry started going to drink in the bars. She has your engagement ring, but she's just out moving with men in sexual sin. The church is guilty of sexual sin, spiritual sexual sin. The church is guilty of unfaithfulness to the bridegroom. She went to the men of witchcraft, the men of the false prophets, the man of deception and lies, the man of money, the man of the gospel of wealth transfer being preached on global TV today, that please Christians wait for a lot of wealth is going to come from the world to you. And yet that wealth will drift you away from Christ. That is common knowledge today that wealth drifts people away from the Lord. Makes men drunk. You know pastors begin, Lord I want to preach, I'm hungry, I'm fire. The Lord sends a few people in his life, anoints him, he preaches with fire. More people come. His basket of offerings grows. Tomorrow a big car. Tomorrow America, where Europe, Australia. After that, he now wants political power. He wants to go to parliament. He's now quitting the very boss who raised him. He's going to another boss. Because there is now more money and political power. So, when the Jewish young man goes to his father with the scroll... The father says, wow, he reads, you've got your bride. That's very good. Only the father from that day on knows the day of the wedding. The mother does not know. The young man will never know. But in the Jewish culture, 
That is the day that the father now begins to take the boy. In the evenings, you find the father walking out. Let your mother and the rest at home prepare the dinner. I want to walk with you. Can you accompany me? I want to, let's walk through this road. No, The man begins to walk with his son during that time. Telling him, you know, you're soon going to be a mature man now. You're not a child anymore, you know. And you know, now you need to prepare a place for your bride, you know. You know, this land here, beginning from here, I've always wanted to give to you this. Beginning from here, I've always kept it for you because I thought that if you could build yours on this side, then mine, since I'm here, and still we have enough room for the crop on this side. So, so this, I've always kept this for you in my heart. This is the area I always wanted to give you so you can build here. So you also, with your wife, may have a place. You see that? My son, I did not want to leave you in nobody's hands. That's why I took care of this. I knew that such a time would arrive. And the son would begin to build. The son has changed his behavior now. He's building, he's preparing. The father is giving him tips, you know, my son, you know. You always have to maintain, you know, the bedroom always belongs to the wife. You see that? Don't always quarrel. The kitchen belongs to your wife. Don't always be there. He's training him to mature, preparing him for the bride. You see that? The guests always belong to the wife. She's the one always to take care of the guests. Don't get involved in those little things. You just be with the guest, you know. In the Jewish culture. And I thought it was a joke when I was there. I did not know God was training me to talk to you people. Nobody knows the day or the hour of the wedding. Even the year. The Jewish man keeps it as a secret. But the season of the wedding is known. Everybody in Israel knows the wedding season. When the new crop is being harvested. And the new wine is being brewed. When the new wine is entering the wine jars, the old wine is out, the new crop has come, has entered the barns, now the wine is new. That is the season you begin to hear, weddings are taking place in the village. So the season is known by all. It is summer, it is harvest time, there is no rain. But the wine is stronger, is newer. Hallelujah. That is the anointing of God. The latter anointing, the power of the anointing of such a time as this. Hallelujah. The anointing is mighty at this time. Everybody can feel something has changed. The wine is too strong. People are operating under the influence of the new wine. People are just happy. There is so much joy going on, no? Brightness has come. The winter has gone. But before the wedding, the Jewish man, the husband, always sends some people to the bride to investigate her. Lest we be related. We might bring a girl who is related to this boy. And that's abomination. Lest we find that this is actually a daughter to an aunt. This boy just went out there and found a girl. They go out there. Now he sends somebody to spy. A few people, maybe one or two. Find out the genealogy. Under which door does she come? Which clan? Which tribe? Is it from Ephraim? Benjamin? Is it from God? Get some details, you know? Number two. Find out, is that a woman worthy of entering this home? They are very particular of who is added to their homes. 
Among other things, you want to find out whether she's, she's worth coming to this home. Find out, has she been faithful out there to my son who is waiting faithfully here? And then the spy will find out, is she with somebody? And then that day, you just cut it. If she has breached that contract of that wine they drank, it is cut. The man will say, ah, my son, my son, I'll find for you another. And then finally, when time is almost, the father now sends one messenger to visit the home. Now to come to the home, not to investigate out, to come to the home. Eh, where are you from? Where has the journey removed you from? That's how they put it. Yes, I'm coming from far. Uh, from so-and-so's family. Isn't that close to the family where, you know? Yes, they're the ones who have sent me. They say now things are going to get ready. They feel like they're ready. They're ready now. So um, they feel they wanted you people to prepare, you know? Because now they're ready for the wedding. Anytime it will happen now, he sends a messenger. That is Matthew 22. The day of the wedding came, pop, they wedded. In the wedding, the peak of the wedding ceremony is when they are dancing, 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 and they crush a glass. The man has to jump up holding the bride, jump up and crush, put a glass, and crush a glass with his feet. That is what you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 to 56. In fact, that is almost 56 itself. When he says, now death has been crushed. Your sting has been taken away. You'll never touch my bride again. That is the symbolism that was happening. That's why I said our Lord came from the Jewish community. But usually, after wedding his bride, they disappear. And there's so much chaos there. Oh, who gave the PS system they want to check for their money, cleaning up the homes, the drums, the water, the wine, everything. It's just confusion there. But he has escaped. They normally go to Anatolia, to Europe, where for their honeymoon. With his bride. After he comes back, I was so amazed. She was still wearing the wedding gown. He's holding her hand, walking with her in the street, brought her back to show the world his bride. Finally showing the world, he's parading his bride. Look, my bride. Look at how clean her gown. I was wondering, why is this woman still wearing the so white, so pure gown? That is what Isaiah saw. And close yourself for a little while. There is tempest here, confusion here. But then you will return with him. He is coming to show the world, look at my bride. Coming to Jerusalem. Seven years. So that gown you prepare is very critical. It is eternal. And that's why he said, you cannot wait for rapture. You just have to get ready, light your lamp now. Because it's one minute to midnight. Why are you waiting? You have been told to happen. Eh, you'd rather be ready today. And make sure on a daily basis you're ready. If there is somebody flashing you on SMS, a lady, and you think, you, you know, the Holy Spirit can help you to discern that this is not clean, you know. Those are the things you delete out. You prepare today and you repent. If there is a secretary in an office, not clean enough, the way she is acting towards you, he says, take a knife and remove that eye. You see that? Take a, an axe and cut that arm. You see that? Do something radical for Christ. He did something radical for you on the cross. 
You cannot sit there, okay, but the day of the rapture, say, I will do that, I will prepare. What do you mean you will prepare? I want to show you that that day he comes to close the door. That's why every day, every country says, on November 1st, the Lord, he opened the door and the glory came up, which means I looked back and I almost collapsed. I said, wow, Kumbay sent me across the nations to announce that the door is open. I was shocked recently when I discovered, when he talked to me about the door. I now understood. Now I could look back at all the tapes in every country, every place. I said, on November 1st, he opened heaven. That is what he sent Noah to do. Tell them it's open now. It is soon going to close. The rapture day is the day for closing. You cannot wait. I will prepare. Mm-mm, you prepare now. Because he comes like a thief. Second coming, we know, after rapture, seven years. Listen to this. He says, verse 36, the book of Matthew 24, I'm finishing now. No one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son of Man, but only the Father. Verse 37. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man, For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill, one will be taken, and the other left. Therefore, keep watch. Did you hear that? Keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. That is the same watch he talks about in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he took the same three. He had 12 apostles. There was the whole population around there, but only 12 were drawn to him. That means that 12 was really a remnant. Do you hear me? Out of the whole population. Only 12 were drawn to him, following him. But, out of the 12, he pulled out only three. That is the purification Zechariah saw. That the remnant I will take passed through fire and now pull out my people. The three. Hallelujah. Peter, John, and James. When it was time to go to the mountain of transfiguration, and revealed the Christ in him, the glory of Christ. He took the three. Do you hear me? My people now. I will say they are my people, and they will say the Lord is our God. The others even confused his name. When he was walking in water, some of them said, look, it is a ghost coming. They did not even identify Christ right. They did not know whom they were walking with. I see that in the church today. 
I see multitudes of Christians walking without knowing the Christ they're walking with. Otherwise, they would have not fallen to sin. He took out Peter, James, and John to the mountain of transfiguration and revealed the Messiah. They saw a mighty visitation. There is something called the circadian rhythm. The biological clock. God created man with a biological clock. That's why every time it reaches night, you begin to, to doze, become drowsy and sleepy. Hallelujah. The biological clock God put in your life tells you, at this time you must sleep. So you can replenish the cerebral spinal fluid, replenish the ATP synthesis, what build up, all that, you know. So tomorrow you are invigorated, ready to go. That's what God warned them against at Gethsemane. Be watchful. Don't sleep. Because you don't know when he comes. In Gethsemane he said, be watchful that you may not be tempted. But what was the temptation? Because his prayer in Gethsemane was that, Father, not my will, but your will. Because he said, the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. That's the Holy Spirit that anointed him. And took him to the cross. So, in other words, he was telling the remnant church, make sure you are watchful and in prayer. Because say watchful and pray, he said, that you don't fall into temptation. Which means that the devil does not let your flesh overrule. Let the will of the Father overrule. You see what he said? And this is the hour for that to happen. Listen to this. Right now, the spiritual clock is 11.59 p.m. And the darkness is thicker. There is a tendency for the church to go, become drowsy and sleep at this time. Like it is in the physical that God created, so it is in the spiritual of God. You see that? I know that your clock is telling you it is time to sleep. You are so tired, but you saying, don't sleep at this time. Be watchful. The midnight hour is near, but the darkness is gross. The church is asleep, and the devil came and sowed the seed of weed, grass, inside the church. Homosexuality is in the church. She is numb to sin. She cannot feel, Ooh, that was sin. She cannot feel that. It's just another news item. Wow, California, wow. She doesn't know that means calling on the wailing woman in America to begin wailing until all of them, their eyes are covered with wet, watery, full of tears. And this is the time for the American woman to come out and cover her head with ashes and face and wear the sackcloth. False prophets are in the church. Isn't this the time for the woman to come out? Isn't the darkness gross? And this is the time when the spiritual biological clock is most likely to make the church go to sleep. So this is the time to wake up if you are the remnant. If you watch in Gethsemane, the way he rebuked them three times, did you see that? Very bitterly, he was so angrily rebuking them. You mean you could not just wait for me one more hour? He is asking the church the same thing right now. You have been Christian all this time with me. You mean now, this dying moment, this most crucial time, you could not wait for me just one more hour here now? So I may come. Be watchful for me. Watch out for me. Watch for me. But what's amazing here is at the time of Noah, there was the same darkness. 
But Noah went out to announce the rapture door that I'm talking about. He said, look, the door is open. Look, the door is open. Soon there is going to be a flood, a tribulation. You see that? Nobody accepted. They thought Noah was crazy. That's the first thing they labeled me with. Something is wrong with him. When I was prophesying the Asian tsunami, the first one, the big one, before it happened, they said you are absolutely out of your mind. God promised never to kill anyone with floods. That's the first thing they told me. They told Noah he was crazy when he was pointing them towards the open door. He sent me to announce the door that is open. They have called me crazy. In Matthew 22, I don't want to go there right now. I first want to go to Genesis chapter 7 verse 16. On this door. I want to begin from Genesis 7. Verse 16. Look at what he says here somebody. Again, Genesis chapter 7 verse 16. The animals going in were male and female of everything as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord shut him in. Do you see the door of the rapture? Then the Lord shut him in. Noah did not shut the door. God turned around and shut the door. He brought my people, some other people he created, he left out there. Same God created them. Do you understand me now? God turned around. And the Lord shut him in. Because if Noah had shut him in, Noah would have seen, Oh, oh, that is Zachary. Oh, he, the, we, we can share here. He gave us bread the other day when we had a guest. Oh, just allow only one. Please open for Zachary only. He did not allow men to shut the door. Men would have been sympathetic. Do you understand what Isaiah saw? And her slain she cannot conceal any longer. The blood that has dropped on her, the earth, will all now be disclosed. Her evil will come out. Because the sinful one will be judged. Tribulation. Is somebody walking with me? And you see here that God himself shuts the rapture door. God himself. I know every day you say, oh, me when I'm tired of things, I just go to Christ, I just be with him. Me, I just want to be with him. That day, he will shut the door on you. You will discover another nature of Christ you have not known. If you read the book of Revelation I just read, it says flames are coming from his eyes like swords. That means you are now seeing another countenance of the Lord, another character of Christ. That door is open right now. Ever since he sent me, it is open. Why wouldn't you enter? You have to enter now. If there is anything, any yeast that has been corrupting your walk with the Lord, this is the time to clean it out. I like using Israel. Again, when I was in Israel, you know, when God went to save Israel in Egypt, he sent Moses, right? And he told Moses, at the midnight hour, I will come. But how would they prepare? They were supposed to get a lamp. We, Exodus 12, you can read, for example, verse 5, verse 7. Look at this. Verse 5, Exodus 12. The animals you choose must be year-old male without defect. Underline without defect. They are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides of the doorpost 
and the, on the door frames in the houses in which they live. I want to live there. And then down there, of course, they say bread without yeast, eat it roasted, eat bitter herbs. Now, when you go on down in Exodus 12, he says, do this as a lasting ordinance. Always keep remembering this. Teach your children, even when you enter Israel, when you are so modern, you are such a high-tech country with the best medical system in the world, the best lawyers in the world, the best economy in the world, the best scientists in the world, when you reach there. But don't forget this. He told them. But this one, don't forget. Teach it to your children and the children's children as a lasting ordinance, covenant between me and you. To remember the day I delivered you from slavery at the midnight hour. So when you come to Israel, they call it Pesach, meaning Passover in Hebrew. When that Pesach is coming, what is most important is the first, the first dinner is seven days. The first dinner is called Seder, and the seventh dinner, the last dinner when you're breaking out now. Everybody prepares for that dinner. Way in advance, months in advance. Because they know they don't want the midnight hour to get them wrong. In that house, in the Jewish home, anything that ever touched yeast, anything that ever touched bread with yeast, you buy from the bakery, it's buffalo. It's bread, it's a loaf with yeast. Eh? You might microwave it. You might cut it on the cutting board using a knife. You might bake it. The Jewish woman likes baking her bread, her own bread. So she uses yeast there, you know. Where there's an oven she used. Anything that ever touched yeast is thrown out to the garbage. Nobody heard me here. Anything that ever touched yeast in that house. Whether it's a new microwave. Whether it's a nice clock on the wall in the kitchen. Whether it's in the dining room, there is a TV, a flat screen, but there they used to put bread near it there. Whether it's an oven, whether it's a clock, a TV in the kitchen, whatever it is, it is loaded on the pickup, thrown in the garbage dump. They really clean up their homes from yeast. It stunned me, I was shocked at first. Because the garbage was full, sofa set, everything, that what they used, anything that touched yeast. No? It was so full that the highest business in Israel at such a time is the business of garbage collection. During that time, I knew that there would be no bread in the shops. So that's why I was upset. All foreigners used to be upset, you know. During this time, it was difficult to find bread. There is what we call matzah, which is bread without yeast. That is the only bread being sold everywhere in Israel. Everyone, and that bread has no taste. That is the bread God was telling Israel to eat in Egypt. He was telling them to prepare for the midnight hour, you have to eat that bread which is tasteless. After Joseph had died, and slavery came now, in Goshen, their slave masters were very bad. They built the pyramids, their backs were being whipped. You see that? Very cruel. But they were going every day to that workplace because they had to earn bread, some bread for the family. They lived their many lives and many years working for bread with yeast. When they reached home, they trembled. Eh? Everybody, now the family, you know, the slave family, you know. 
you have to break a bit to give to everybody. She passed it around piece by piece. You know, they have brought food home. The slave family. You see that? But when God said that now they would not eat bread with yeast, they trembled more. They panicked. They said, hey, but that one we're not used to. That one is not tasty. They're used to tasting. God told them, get off the yeast. So in Israel, that's what they do. I was shocked. You find new TVs, new DVD players, new flat screen TVs, new what, new computers, laptops, what, thrown out. I said, why would someone throw such a thing? It touched yeast. It ever touched yeast. However expensive it is, the same thing the Lord is telling the church. Now that the midnight hour is coming, however expensive it is, however much your life is tied to it, you know the way pastors get tied to some woman in the church, eh? a woman who is really shelling good money, eh? you understand that? He cannot even rebuke her dressing. She's always going around with pastor. You see that? Eh? Until people are just saying, just a moment, this is not right. You go to pastor's office. She's the one doing things there, you know. Pastor's wife is where now? Where is the role of the pastor's wife? People have started to complain. You see that? She's the one driving pastor's car to go uh, uh, change oil. Huh? And people say, this thing here, this thing is not the right thing. But he cannot rebuke even her dressing. Because she is shelling. Pastor says, those are the few sheep I have. They call it the fat sheep. Eh? The ones, you know, when they touch the fat, you don't feel the bones. Eh? Touch the back of the sheep. They are the ones who are keeping me going. He says like that. And yet there is a lustful relationship going on there, which makes the wife uncomfortable. You see that? The Lord is saying, however sweet it has been, out to the garbage now. Let the midnight not find you with that yeast. Let the midnight hour not find you that yeast. Oh, these are the main supporters of the church. Okay, if they are the supporters of the church, then let the Holy Spirit use you to purify them so they can be holy, dress holy, walk holy, preach holy, convert them, then deliver them for Christ. If they are the ones he brought to support you. But don't let sin and yeast get an excuse of creeping around this word. And then pastor is now compromising his word. Pastor is now... You see, a man has changed completely. He's not the man you knew. Now he's talking more of other things, buying land, property, his special offering for pastor, whatever. Those things now are happening. But that is the yeast. You that preach, that's the yeast. Okay? In Israel, they throw, they just close their, it's like close your eye and throw. You understand? And they begin from scratch. And I used to ask, well, now how is this? Talk to me about this thing. He says, no, because, you know, we don't take chances. Because anything could have touched yeast, especially in the kitchen area, just get rid of it. You see that? Even in the dining area. Even in the place you put bread, whatever it is. But, but you know, we look at it positively. Because it gives us a chance to build the house anew, he said. Did you hear that? He said, for so long I've, I was looking at those sofas for many years, I was tired a bit. You hear that? The church also, for so long you have looked at the same continents. The same features are in the church. Same conduct, same worship. You can almost come and predict what is going to happen after this worship, what the pastor is going to turn and say, what is going to, you know. Yeah? But the church needs now to build anew. 
This message is a chance for the church of Christ to build a new house. Don't look at how expensive what your throne is. Just look at the good side of it. That is a chance for me to start anew. It is a chance for the four corners of the earth to start anew. A new walk, a spiritual journey. Not anymore a physical journey. Do you hear me somebody? So there is a lot you can learn about the midnight hour from the Bible. God did not give you this Bible for fun. Everything from the first book of Genesis to the last book of Revelation is about the rapture. Like it was during the time of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. The time of Noah, the door was opened, the door was announced, but on that day, it was shut. So will it be shut. The book of Matthew 25, I'm talking about the door to rapture, okay? At your, we are preaching rapture, and we are preparing the church. How can you prepare if you yourself are not prepared? How can you deliver when you are not yet delivered? The book of Matthew, chapter 25, precious people, as I finish this now, I bring the ship to the shore. Then I'll anchor it, anchor it on the four glorious Gospels, right? Hallelujah. Do you see the importance of what John the Baptist talked about? Anchor your Gospel, anchor your messages, anchor your preaching, anchor your sermons unto the four glorious Gospels. Those are the four white horses that the Father showed me when John the Baptist was talking to me. And then from that point on, you can now navigate the entire Bible to the four ends of the earth. So Matthew 25 this is what he says. He's talking about the parable of the ten virgins. And you see very carefully what the Lord said when the midnight hour is near, verse 5. He says, The bridegroom was long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Matthew 25, verse 5. You saw that? That is where the church is. She's in a spiritual sleep. Because the spiritual clock says it's spiritually 11.59 p.m. But then the bridegroom comes. But look at what verse 10 says. Verse 10 says, but while they were on their way to buy the oil, he's talking about the five foolish virgins, okay? The bridegroom arrived, and the virgins who were ready went in with him to the banquet, the wedding banquet. Listen to what he says there. And the door was shut. The door was shut. Not one of the virgins went back and shut the door. Mm -mm. Was shut by God. Did you see the same thing happening at the time of Noah? But what amazes me here, you have the remnant church that comes out. Ten wise virgins step out of the church. Out of the walls of church, they go to evangelize Christ in the streets, in the markets, everywhere. That's the remnant church that steps out. Let's say church, you can also be, you can be in the wall, but you have stepped out from the world, right? You can be in the four walls, but you have stepped out of the world. That's the separation that the virgins did. It's a spiritual separation. But five of the virgins were burning some strange lamps. All the lamps go on. The ten lamps, wise and foolish, five wise, five foolish, go on up to right close to the midnight. But when the midnight cry is announced by that one that went to talk to that family, that, that family is now ready to come and wed your daughter. That was the time to trim the wicks. The cry rang out. Then all the virgins woke up, verse 7, and trimmed their lamps. That's the time to trim the wicks. Why is it important to trim the wicks? Because the midnight hour is nigh, it is near. The light 
that your candle has been emitting throughout this night has been sufficient, right? You say, your, your word is like a lamp unto my feet. Has been sufficient. But when it comes the midnight hour, the darkness became thicker. And you enter that house and say, hey, is there no lamp here today? Is there no light in this house? They say, no, there's a lamp. It's at the corner there. So how come today I feel as if it's just dark here? The darkness at the midnight hour becomes thicker. And that's why there is need to trim the lamp, add the oil, and glow the flame. Because you need now a stronger flame from the lamp. Otherwise, the thick darkness is aimed by the devil. It is intended by the devil to undermine the lamp that you've been lighting. To undermine it so it appears as if there is no lamp. Does somebody see the church there? Her lamp cannot be seen. Nobody has stood out. The lamp is dim. The lamp you are used to cannot work anymore. That's why there is need to start anew. The Jewish people throw the sofa sets out. Start anew. It's a spiritual start anew. You need to trim the lamps, pour the oil that the light may be stronger, commensurate, proportionate, correspondingly to the level of darkness in this dispensation. This is what the Lord is saying here. But what amazes me is that the same deception the Lord talked about in Matthew 24 shows up here. When he says, the five foolish ones were told to go buy oil. While the wise ones poured the Holy Spirit into their salvation, and they lit their lamps into the wedding into eternity. Their gown was glorified by the latter anointing. The dew that Isaiah saw, that's the jar. The jar of oil they carried, that's the dew. They poured, transformed them into immortal spiritual bodies, and they entered into the wedding of the Lamb. That's the dew that I want to talk about. But what's amazing to me, that the foolish virgins were told to go buy some oil. And they surely went. That tells us that they were burning a different oil. They could even go to the same shops and look for it. Who can buy the anointing of the Holy Spirit? But today you see the church is selling it on TV. They're selling small bottles of anointing. Eh? Or a small handkerchief. I'm told if you buy it, cover yourself, anointing will cover you. They're selling the Holy Spirit. If you send me a gift, a love gift of what, what, I've prepared so many bottles, small bottles of anointing oil to give you. People can go there buy. Depending on your money, you can buy the size of the bottle. They went to buy. And that raises the question of the fact that when the ten lamps were lighting, surely there must have been confusion to the sheep, right? To know which is really the genuine lamp, which is the Holy Spirit and which is coming from the enemy. The false tongues were here as the Holy Spirit was giving true tongues. The false prophecies were here as the Holy Spirit was speaking true prophecy on the rapture, the repentance, the holiness of God. There was a mix in the church. Deception that the Lord talked about in Matthew 24, right? Be careful. At that time, many will come to deceive you. Make sure you're not deceived. Falsehood. The biggest sin of the Antichrist is what? Deception. He will come to lie to them that he is he that comes from the Lord, that they may worship him like they have worshipped Christ. You see that? That is preparing the way during the beginning of birth pains into the biggest dispensation of, of deception, which is tribulation. And that's what you see God is talking about here. 
But what's amazing to me is that the door, you need the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit to enter through this door. And the door is shut. That is the rapture door I'm talking about today. Make sure when it is shut, you are on the other side, the inside of heaven's side. Hallelujah. And in the same Matthew 25, verse 41, right? He says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cast into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. And I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. You closed the door. The door was shut. To tell you the truth, I don't know you. You understand? So the Lord is telling the church that this is the moment to enter. You can spiritually enter, which means prepare. Like the time of Noah. All Noah ever wanted them to do is to repent and prepare, be ready. Because it might happen any time. And when the floods came, Noah entered the ark. And all of them were, oh, please help us. No, please. This is what... Don't you remember me? Remember me, please. I'm the one that... Do you remember your neighbor? They will say anything at that door when the tribulation comes. But the door will be shut. And the Lord will totally not open the door. He will completely refuse to open the door. Because the door has been opened long enough. It has been opened. But He will not accept that they enter. Because it has been opened. All He ever wanted them to do is repent and be ready. Because you don't know the time. You don't know when he comes in. It's very important for the church not to wait for the rapture, but to get ready today. Because the rapture happens in a twinkling of an eye, which means it's essentially the closing of the door. It's very critical that you get these precious people. Don't miss out on the rapture. Don't wait for the rapture. Just prepare now. So when it happens, anytime you are ready. Especially that you are carrying this message. You've chosen, you want to carry this message. You want the church to be purified. You want the church to see the kingdom of God. But the question is, how about you? However expensive it is, however precious it is, however addicted you are to it, for as long as it constitutes yeast, out to the garbage at this moment, you still have a moment to start anew. You will not have that moment again. And time has run out. And that's what the Lord is saying concerning the rapture door. That the church may prepare. All of you, regardless of nation, we are all the same in his eyes. That all may enter through this door before he shuts the door. It is a very sad thing for the door to shut on you. You see that? Metro does not shut on you. And remember, the floods went on for some time and Noah and his team were in the safety of the ark. After a while, the boat came to Mount Ararat, and then it anchored there. And then they came out, the dove came out, and then talked about the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. And then Noah picked some clean animals, and the covenant was arrayed by God after the sweet fragrance reached him. That talks about the dispensation of the Holy Spirit when Jesus will come in the second coming. The door of Noah is the door that Isaiah saw. That is the door God showed me in that heaven. That opened and is opened until today. That is the door that opened at the mountain of transfiguration. And then raptured the two. That door is open today. And Isaiah said, for a little while. 
Enter into your rooms and shut the door behind you for a little while until his wrath has passed by. When Jesus comes, the enemy is bound for a thousand years. The dispensation of the Holy Spirit, the reign of the Dios, the kingdom of God will reign. He will rule with an iron scepter. When he says homosexuality is sin, it will be sin. Period. Nobody will go to court. When he says lying is sin, it will be sin. Period. Nobody will argue. For 1,000 years of peace, which means there will be a good fragrance, a powerful fragrance that Ezekiel saw, he said, only the prince can now stand at the door when that eastern gate will open. And then he will eat at that door. And then he will offer sacrifices unto our God in the temple. So that a little while that Isaiah talked about is the seven years. The seven years of tribulation. Three and a half tribulation. Three and a half of great tribulation. For a little while and then the door opens again. When the boat anchored at Mount Ararat, the door opened again. When the tribulation passed, the door opened, Christ is coming to Jerusalem. The door opens again. May the Lord bless you that you may enter through that door before it shuts. I want you to know that it does not matter whatever you are doing, wherever you do it from, whether you've been a pastor, it will not matter anymore. Many have said they are pastors. Many have thought being a Christian for many years Give them a qualification to enter through this door. I have celebrated this mighty door to the wedding of the Lamb of God today. And I've said, don't wait for the rapture. Just prepare for the rapture even as the word has said. The word tells us nobody knows the day, even the hour, let alone the year. The only thing that the word says is that we should be watchful at all times so we may be able to enter through this door. I have celebrated this mighty door, the door that leads into the kingdom of God. You don't want that door to shut on you. Whether you've passed at a church and you know that you've not walked right, it is still open for you. That door is the door that John the Baptist came to announce. He said, behold, he is coming. He said, they should repent and enter because the kingdom of God is at hand. I am announcing it to you today. It does not matter your nationality. It does not matter how long you've been born again. It does not even matter from which color, which tribe, which race, which gender, all that matters is that you may be able to repent today and get the yeast out of your life, return to holiness, and enter through this door. Because on the day of the rapture, it surely will be shut, not by man, by the Lord God Almighty Himself. And if you feel like you want to receive the Lord today, start anew, repeat with me. Repeat this prayer. Say, precious Lord Jesus, I have lived as a sinner and I repent today. I repent of all sin. Since I was born, 
until the day of rapture. I am repenting today. Clean me, Jesus. And write my name in the book, the book of life. Lord Jesus, restrain me. Don't allow me to go back to sin. And fill me today with the anointing of the Lord. The morning dew that I may enter into the wedding of the Lamb. In the name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. I begin anew today. Amen. Amen.